We're going to look at Ecclesiastes 12, and we're going to look at this thought of what really matters. I was, as you're turning there, I, was, um, I think the Super Bowl's coming up, what, a month and a half or so? I think it's the 12th or something like that um, in February, and I don't know where the, bucket, the Buccaneers stand, but I know Tom Brady's won a lot of uh, Super Bowls. I can't remember. How many has he won? Anybody know? Seven. Somebody said, if you take all his statistics, I mean, I didn't, it was, a, I think it was one of these well-known sports talk, talking heads said, I think two years ago, they said, if you took all of Tom Brady's statistics and cut him in half, he'd still be a Hall of Famer. You know, cut in half his yardage and his touchdowns and his Super Bowls, he'd still be a Hall of Famer. So he's like a double Hall of Famer. But I read this um, when he was, this was some years back after he only won his third Super Bowl. He did an interview with 60 Minutes. And the interviewer, this was on, obviously on TV. He was younger, of course. And he said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think it's got to be more than this. This is what he said, you know, years, some years back. Then he goes on to say, I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. That's what he said. I don't know if he's still saying that in his heart today, but it wasn't done. The interviewer then responded back and said, well, then what's the answer, Tom? He said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Now, that's what he said probably 15 years ago. I don't know what he's, his heart says today, but what he's saying in that sentiment is a similar sentiment that you see all over the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 is the conclusion, and this is a fascinating book. It's different. It is different. At Sometimes you think, this guy's got a bad attitude. And other times you think, is this guy even a Christian? But he's writing, he is a believer, writing with an unsaved mentality for most of it. Writing with a non-believer mentality. He calls it, this is how things look under the sun, which means in the observable, the natural observable appearance, under the sun. He's not ta he talks very little about what's beyond the sun and in the light of God. He's saying, here's what it looks like in the light of natural eyes under the sun. And his conclusion is, it's vanity. Okay, so let me, you're probably waiting on me. Ecclesiastes 12 8 to 14, and this is what we'll end up unpacking today. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished. 
of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. My goal is to help us to get a grip on these verses today and get the feel for what Solomon's saying. He's basically, he's been asking through the book, what matters? And somebody might say, well, if you do this, that really matters. I tried that. What matters? Well, if you get more money, that really matters. I tried that. So what matters? Well, if you get more learning, you get more wisdom, that'll really matter. He goes, I already did that too. What matters? Well, if you try this new wine or more women, I did that and I did that. So what really matters? That's what he's saying in this book. And he comes to a conclusion at the end. There's a man, there's a couple, I read a couple quotes here. Um, One man, H.G. Wells. Uh, There's a lot of people that just, these people are brave enough to vocalize this thing. Not everybody's brave enough to vocalize stuff like this because they're ashamed. But a man named H.G. Wells, famous historian, at the age of 61 said, I have no peace. All life is at the end of the tether. Henry David Thoreau, literary genius, said, quote, Most men live lives of quiet desperation. Ralph Barton, who was apparently a cartoonist, I think it maybe a hundred years ago, he left this note on his pillow before taking his own life. He said, I have had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I have gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I am fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours of the day. It's, it's basically vocalizing, again, what Solomon shows in the book of Ecclesiastes. Look at the, look at, let's look at the beginning here. Go, go, hold your place, chapter 12, go to chapter 1. Again, my purpose as we're starting out is to get you to get a feel for the book and for Solomon. It'll help us better understand the way he concludes it. Ecclesiastes 1, the word Ecclesiastes means the preacher, a proclaimer. He's teaching something. And chapter 1, 1, 2, and 3. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he hath taken under the sun? So again, this is an outrageous statement, an outrageous question. But when we read that right away, if you're honest, you know your Bible say, not everything's vanity. Not everything's vain. There's some things that aren't vain in the Lord, right? We know the Bible. There's things that last forever. There's things that matter, and we'll touch on them today. But when he's saying it, he's saying it from a different mindset. Under the sun, as I, as I started out telling you. From the, from the secularist perspective. Fulfilled that task, eh. Fulfilled that task, eh. Fulfilled that task, eh. I wish every person who, not somebody else could preach it better, but I wish every person who is, especially Americans, 
who are driven to, I'm going to be happy if I'm rich. I'm going to be happy if I'm famous. I'm going to, not, not that you're not, but that it's like it's going to fill you totally. Because we didn't, you can't, you should enjoy moments of sweetness and happiness and success and win a ball game and nice food and get a race. That's okay. But it's not going to fill your cup. According to Solomon, as a natural man. But I wish, I wish a lot of Americans who are on this ambitious pursuit of success for the purpose of being finally satisfyingly fulfilled would hear this. There's a famous Baptist named B.H. Carroll. I think he was the first president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I think it was in Texas. Over almost 200 years ago, he said, the thing that woke me was I actually started reading the book of Ecclesiastes as an unsaved man. And God showed me how empty my life was. And he's reading about the wealthiest man to ever live, saying, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, and it's empty. Chapter 2 elaborates on it quite a bit. So Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, under the sun, life seems futile. It seems like nothing matters. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I want you, I'm trying to give you a, get a feel for the book. Through most of the book, he, he, there is still wisdom. It's a lot of it's secular wisdom, which is okay. It means common sense stuff. You know, even in the book, he says, hey, it's good for man. He goes, gets a job. He works hard. He gets his paycheck, and he enjoys it. Solomon says that a couple times. You should enjoy and say, thanks, God. It's a, that's about, you know, one of the, um, it's just very pragmatic on some things. So it's not that there's nothing valuable. It's just that he, Solomon's saying that in and of itself, it's, life can be, seem like nothing matters. You know, uh, I, um, so we have to, whatever we're doing this year, um, maybe pro- prolonging or extending some of you, your education, getting more educated or degree, that's fine. Uh, stretching yourself on your job. Um, with a promotion or climbing a ladder, or, that's fine. That's, I think it's natural to do that where men, men and women are supposed to, you know, uh, in the image of God, grow and develop. But if we're looking for it to finally satisfy us, it's not to the full. Um, J. Vernon McGee, he's actually still on the radio. I think he's been dead 40 years. Um, he said, the human heart is constructed so that you could put the whole world in it and it still would be filled. He said the human heart is constructed so that, it means the, the fallen heart. The human heart is constructed so that you could put the whole world in it and it still wouldn't be filled. The eyes of man are never satisfied. But let's talk, I'm, I'm not trying to make this bad news. This is good news. It really ends good. This, is, this has been a blessing to just ponder this myself. So he's honest. Verse 8, let's go back to it again. Verse 8. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Yep, you're right. In, in, in the context of what you're saying, from in and of itself, outside of God, it all seems futile. It all just seems vain, useless, doesn't matter. But no, let, let's walk through some of his logic here, and then we're going to narrow it down a little more. He says, verse 9, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. You know, this is still inspired of God. He still needed to say these things. Okay, verse 9, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. 
in, in Ecclesiastes is, is some more Proverbs. Did you know that? There's some good little pithy statements here. Bite-sized truths. So he says, I, I still needed to do this. God inspired me to do this. The preacher needed to still set this out. Look at verse 10. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright. Truth. Truth. Objective. It's reality. If you read Proverbs, and even Ecclesiastes, and if you read it, you're like, hmm, that's pretty true. That's pretty objective. You know, he talks about going, it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. If you, after you go to a funeral and you mourn and you think it, it makes your heart better. He talks about, um, you know, watch who you tell things to because a little birdie will pass it along. You know when they say a little birdie told me? It's a secular statement that came from the Bible. Um, he talks about, you know, having riches and riches fly away and different things like that. And it's just little, you know, objective, realistic statements. He says, I still got to write these things. And then he says, then he starts to say something about what really matters and what's really helpful. And I want to show you kind of three points right here. What really matters? So Solomon's coming down. He's been writing the book. Ah, I don't know. think this matters. I did this. I don't this. What, this is vain. This is vain. And then he winds it down, and we see three points about what matters. The first thing we're going to see, he's going to show us what, what really matters when it comes to learning things in the area of learning. What really matters in the area of learning, first is what we'll see. We're going to see what really matters in the area of living how I live, and then why both of those things matter. Number one, what really matters in the area of learning? God's word. Look what it is, verse 11 and 12. The words of the wise are as goads, as nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. <clears throat> verse 12. And further, by these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. I believe he's making reference to the fact that these words of this preacher were still God's words that he's supposed to give to people, and he's saying, and we're going to see the symbols of them, but he's saying, this is the best thing to learn. By these, be admonished. What admonishes you when you first wake up in the morning? What admonishes you in the middle of the day? What admonishes you at the end of the day? What's prompting you by way of a word, by way of a, a statement, by way of something you said or, or, or see or hear? What's admonishing you? He's talking about things that admonish God's word. He says it's like goads. Look at verse 11. The words of the wise are as goads. All right, what's a goad? Tell me, somebody. What's a goad? Cattle prod. Cattle prod. Now, they got some sheep at the house. You're not using it on them, though. They're a little easier than that, huh? Right. A cattle prod, right? A goad, pricks. Didn't somebody in the New Testament say something about that? Who? Who? Paul. God knocks him off his horse, and Jesus is like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And you know what he says? Or Jesus says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You know, what, you know what that was saying? Jesus had been pricking him for a while. Spiritually. He'd been sending conviction. To, I bet one of the hardest convictions was when he saw Stephen preach a perfect message and get murdered for it. And he was there consenting unto his death. 
And that probably convicted him. He's saying, so the preacher here, is, he's saying here, the word of God matters. And the, the words of the wise are like goats. It's just like, you know. So there's a, there, we're going to see a, a, a thing that hurts, bruises. And then we're going to see a thing that helps, that builds about God's word. Something that's a little painful and that's something that's a little productive. The goads are a little painful. You know, when you hear a word from somebody that's tough, a word of truth, like, ow. Sometimes the Bible, the Bible has goading words. The Bible has building words. Sometimes in the Bible, it's like, oh, ooh, it poked me. You know, <laughs> brother, you know, um, brother Adam started going through the goals that we should have. And then he's like, 20% less uh, screen time. Let's go to the next one. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. And he could do a little, I could do 20% less screen time, you know. You know, a word from God, now that was a goal that we could connect with the Bible, but a word from God could sometimes be painful, right? Um, maybe that's why they wanted to get the Ten Commandments out of school. You know, the, it's like they were, they were healthy prohibitions, like don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. We're looking at it, I'm like, this is good. And other people are like, wow, <laughs> You shouldn't be telling people what to do. Maybe it bothered them. Maybe it was goads that were poking. But anyways, the, the word of God matters. It says the words of the wise are as goads. And then it gives another analogy. And as, nail, and, and as nails, in another sense, fastened by the masters of assemblies. I think this is talking about the idea of it being constructive. How do I put things together? How do I take some wood, some more wood, and a plan and, and fasten them? Nails, boom, boom, and I nail things together. How do I construct my life? How do I bring things together? How do I get things nailed together on my lifestyle choices, on my relationship choices, on whatever? Um, I, I, I did some nails from God's word that pin this together and pin that together. And that's what God's word is like. They're like nails given from the masters of assembly. The other thing given from one shepherd, I think it's talking about the goads. God's word is what matters in learning. Look what it says in verse 12. Further by these, I think he's referring to God's words. Be admonished. How, what, again, I asked, what admonishes us? We should constantly be letting ourselves be admonished by God's word. I don't care if you read your Bible like this, if you have a little card, verse cards, or if you do it on your phone. Sometimes it's a little more distracting that way or on a smart device, but by that, be admonished. In contrast to this next statement of making many books, there's no end. Of making of many books, there's no end. Isn't that true? It didn't, by the way, he's not saying don't read any books. He, this, he read books and he knew a lot of stuff. He's not saying don't read books. He's not saying don't get training for something. He's just saying it never ends. It never ends. Right? It's just going to, this, it's almost, I think what he's addressing is that deep part of us. I was like this. I was like, I just want to get everything. I want to know everything. Especially when I started Bible college, I want to just get all those theology books and all that. I just want to get it all. And then when I do, I'm like, oh, somebody else wrote a book. I got to read that one too. I'm going to read that one too. And then I read that one. And then somebody says, hey, did you hear that the other guy wrote this other book? Oh, he did? Oh, man, i got to read that. I'm already behind on two of them. Oh, man. And I, there's something about you. If I get them all read, I'm going to be on top of it. Because I've read all those theology books or stayed on top of that series. And 
But then you start realizing, man, there's no end to this thing. Ah, ah, that's such weariness of the flesh. Well, by this I can be admonished. Furthermore, by these be admonished, my son. Of making of many books is no end. Much study is weariness of the flesh. Look at chapter 1. Go back to chapter 1. Verse 17 and 18. Again, you could, if you read even this, the first three chapters, you'd get a grip of what I said to you in the introduction about uh, Solomon, but we don't have time for that. But here's one thing he says, Ecclesiastes 1, 17, 18. Solomon says, I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is, vex, is vexation of spirit. For in much, chapter 1, verse 18, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. He's talking about the fact that just knowledge in and of itself is just knowledge. It didn't make him any happier. There's a certain heavenly wisdom that makes you happy that's sweeter than honey and than the honeycomb that Scripture speaks about. I just want us to think about something again. What matters? Um, what matters if I know a lot about Okay, some of us name our favorite subjects in school. Let's just stop. And I'm not going to pick on anybody. I just, let's just talk a little bit. What's a favorite subject in school? Seamus. Math. All right. Calder? Science. Okay. Jonathan? Reading. Okay. Annabelle? History. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. All right. Anybody doing physics? Doing physics? You're doing some? That's cool. Physics is cool. What's that? Recess. That was my favorite. Second to lunch. Sometimes it was over lunch because I'm like, I don't want to play football. Yeah. Recess. Um, even if you got, even if you knew everything in that subject, but you didn't hardly know the words of the wise here. What good is that? Under the sun, it's empty. <clears throat> I want to be admonished by these. Furthermore, by these, my son, be admonished. Um, I'm trying to say, I don't know if I feel like it. It's, it's just like, let's just put it to you this way. Again, you've heard me make these statements, but these are the best tweets. Okay, right? This is the best tweet. This is the best posts. You can read a short one or a really long one, like a couple books long. These are the best texts right here. I like it and text them. Somebody, hey, man, how you doing today? Hey, man, praying for you. And I'll send them. Or cool little, like Brother Getch uh, that preached here, he's got the best tweets. I think he does one every other day or something, and it's just a quick little, it's like a proverb in a sense. And I don't read them all the time, but whenever I read them, I'm like, oh, he had something to say right there. He didn't waste my time today. But I usually, I don't want to spend so much time on whatever. You can, there's always new platforms, Twitter or something else, that what am I really being admonished by? I want to be admonished by the one book that already is 
finished, but it lasts forever, versus books that are constantly being written, and they won't last forever. God's word shall stand. So what is it that matters? It really matters most of all that I'm digesting God's word this year. That's what really matters. That's what really matters. By these be admonished. Secondly, what else really matters? It's an area, and secondly, it's an area of life. Two things, fearing God and keeping his commandment. He says this, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That really matters. For this is the whole duty of man. It really, this is, this is, again, I wish. We fear men a lot. We fear people a lot. We fear, ooh, a celebrity, an athlete, a politician. We should respect them, but sometimes we're, ah, we gawk at them and we fear them and all these things. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. What matters is fearing God. In fact, I'll say this. Because we fear men so much, it's throwing our life off. If we feared God more, we'd fear men less. We fear men most because we fear God so little. Fearing God. This is coming from a man who did it all. Who met everybody. And he says, fear God. He didn't say, fear me. There is a, I should back up. There are statements where it says, fear the king. It means reverence him, give him his spot. But fear God above all and keep his commandments. So fear of God, quick description. It's a reverent recognition of God. It's a person who's sobered to the reality of who God is. Proverbs in 14 says that the fear of the Lord produces confidence. It, it, the fear of the Lord is a refuge. The fear of the Lord is Helps you depart from death. Proverbs 14, 26 and 27. In other words, a lot of times, most of the time in the Bible, when it says the fear of the Lord, it's talking about somebody who's actually saved. <laughs> I came to a real sober reality who God is. And I realized that he's my refuge. In him is my confidence. Because of him, I've departed from death. That's the fear of God. And then it says, and keep his commandments. That's what really matters. So again, here's a guy. Here's a guy, Solomon, who's done it all. And he says, you know what you need to do, people? All the people that are reading this. And he says, fear God, keep his commandments. See, there was a lot of commandments that Solomon had that a person should fear and carry out as a, in sub, as a subject of a king. But he says what really matters is keeping the commands of God. Our son-in-law, one of, I mean, Will and Joe, we got to see them yesterday, and they're doing pretty good. Our other son-in-law, Cayman, is uh, graduating on Friday from uh, Navy basic training in uh, north of Chicago area. And um, so, let's see. Yeah, Friday is graduation. And Susie and a couple of her, uh, his, fam his side of the family are going to it. And... Um, one of the things, this is interesting, he said, Susie said, he, I, I said, so what's, what's going to happen? She, so Susie's going to the, to the ceremony, and one of the things that's going to happen is um, he has duties at the ceremony, and one of his duties is like, I think, letting people in, something like that, and then right before the, or as the ceremony is starting, he's, he, he is, he's chosen to be the voice 
to proclaim the whoever's the I can't remember his title, admiral, general, whoever. He's like the fourth most powerful in the military. He's over the navy. Is coming, and he's going to announce it, kind of like they do at the State of the Union. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. You know how they did. He's going to do that for this Navy big shot that's the director of all naval affairs who's coming, and he's going to proclaim it as he's coming in. I thought that's pretty cool. I said, Susie, you know what they call that? You know what they called that 2,000 years ago? A preacher. A karuk. That's what it meant. A herald, one who does that. And so um, that's what we're supposed to do. Go ahead and preach ahead of time because the king, our king's coming, right? All right. Well, anyways, the other thing, so Susie, they don't know where they're going to live. They know he's basically going to go to San Diego, but they don't know, like, when. He might have some time off. He might not. They, it's like military doesn't tell you. You're just on the edge of your seat till the last moment, and then even then they might change it. But he, she told me this little thing. He goes, well, he's getting his orders this Tuesday. He's getting his orders. And, um, and so he'll know. You know, in a couple days, Susie will tell us, okay, we're going to live here, and it's probably going to be this long, and I'll have this much free time. He's getting his orders. He's waiting on them. You know what? We already have our orders. We already have our orders, right? It's a matter of, it's not like, oh, what's my order? Well, start reading them. A lot of it, it very put, it's very tailored in the New Testament for you, where you're at now. In particular, as a church, the orders of the Great Commission, we have our orders. And so... Um, what matters is that for me, as I'm going through this life, you know, if I'm not, it's not all that big of a deal if I don't, if I don't get all worked up about what everybody else is worked up is by way of personalities and celebrities. It's okay if I'm not. What matters is if I worked up about God and I fear God and I value God. Solomon says, that's what matters. That's what matters. And it's not that big of a deal if I don't run to every trend or do what everybody else says or do it. But if I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep God's word. I'm going to follow God's word. I'm going to pattern my, word, my life around God's word and in this day and age. And I, and I'm gonna, I want to hear what God says, God first, and, and, and all that. That's what matters. And here's the third point. Why? Why does this matter? Because here's what we started out in here. You're sitting here sitting, okay, Pastor, going to tell us what really matters. Okay. All right, what really matters? Ah, oh, fearing God, the Bible, fearing God, keeping his commandments. Okay, yeah, he, that's kind of this preaching stuff. He's pushing an amen button. He wants somebody to say amen about it. Listen, here's why. Here's why. It's right there. Fear God, keep his commandments. Because verse 14, well, he says this is the whole duty of man. Verse 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. That's a statement of there's a judgment for everybody one day. In light of this, I give you some advice. Learning God's word matters. Living in fear of God, living in God's command, that's what matters because that's what he's going to be judging on. He's going to be judged. He's not going to be judged on how cool I was, how many followers I had on Twitter, how much I did on, a, how much I learned or whatever, did in a sport or how many degrees I got. Does it, didn't matter. How, did, you, did you keep my commandments? Did you fear me? I, actually, I saw that you were fearing man. That's why you kind of acted differently instead of fearing me. And then he's going to, throwing that forward, it's a good thing. Aren't you glad that one day God's going to judge you and I? And it's going to be, for the Christian, it's all positive. For the unsaved, it's judging in your own sin state. For us, it's judging on, on service. The judgment seat of Christ is based on 
our service to him. And so whatever I'm doing, when I go through this year, I'm like, what matters? Well, um, I'm just going to tell Pete being faithful to you. I'm still going to fear you. I'm still going to keep a heart for you. First commands, love the Lord. I'm still just going to try to love people, find a fresh way of doing it. I'm still just going to try to bless my church. I'm still just going to try to witness to somebody. I'm going to keep your commandments. That's what matters. Because that's what's going to be gold in the judgment seat of Christ. God shall bring every work into judgment. And every secret thing. You say, but I'm doing stuff that only God sees. That's even better. That might even be more worth more refined gold. Whether it be good, whether it be evil, there'll be some who's all the, because they were died without Christ, all that evil comes out and they are judged on the basis of their Christless state. I read about, I don't have it with me. I thought I brought it with me. There was a, um, the Queen of England, of course, she died this last year. And I don't have all the details, but it went something like this. There was a guy, you know, some, some English guy who delivered the mail for like 70, 60 years straight or something like that. And this happened a few years back. And she recognized him, you know. And uh, he got to have some ceremony come up. I think he delivered even through times of war, you know. And they got a big old ado about this thing. And they brought this guy forward. It named his name. I don't remember what it is. And she, you know, did her little, said her little thing and her accent and recognized this guy for delivering the mail for whatever, 60-something years. And recognized him. Something that, I mean, it probably took other eyes to bring that to her attention. She wouldn't have normally seen. Now, if an earthly dignitary would do that, don't you think a heavenly dignitary, the only one, who does see everything, will do that for us? Yeah, man, he will. And he does it based on our motive of, am I going out in the fear of God? Am I keeping his commandments? Am I, is this my primary book of learning? So if you're, whatever, if you're doing, if you're, if you're focused on learning God in his word, and you're focused on fearing God and keeping his commandments, of all then guess what? You and I are doing what matters. Amen? We're doing what matters. Even if we don't have a crowd on it, we're doing what matters, and we're saying, I believe that. I believe this Solomon's right in what he says there. And you'll find out one day at the judgment when he rewards you.